Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Ford Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bolt, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but... But we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickheads, you could say. It's just it's, they're just <laughs> there's good racing and I enjoy it. Mm. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. This week on Inside Supercars, we take the opportunity during the break-in racing to hear from some of the people behind the news. We'll hear from Dunlop Series Championship leader Cameron Walters, We find out more about Gen 2 with Dave Stewart. Jeff Slater, the engineer for Shane Van Gisbergen, talks to us about his trip earlier in the year to Monza to watch Shane in the Blank Pain series. And after the break, we catch up with Scott Pye on the fortunes of DJR Team Penske at Winton. I hope you'll stay with us. This is Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bolt Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, We're able to beat the two levels to the boys and uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to um, take the win off him. So, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Scott Pye has his best run for DJR Team Penske at Winton a few weeks ago and we spoke to him on the Sunday night to find out his perspective of the weekend. Yeah, it was just yesterday. I felt like I probably made a couple of mistakes in qualifying and around here it's so tight. Um, so, yeah, yesterday we were better than we could have showed and then today we just put it all together. We had a better car though today than we did yesterday and I was able to race and you know, I raced pretty aggressively as well. I felt like we had a car that we needed to maximise today and I did the best I could with it. But yeah, full credit to my guys. They've done a fantastic job this weekend and I feel like we've really turned the corner. Headspace for a driver in your position. You've got start the year not a, not listed, not signed, and then all of a sudden you parachuted in to extensively try and prove the product. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very different situation than you would ever normally find yourself in. Yeah, it's just, um, for me, I mean, it's a win-win though. I wasn't planning on being a full-time driver at this point in the season so to be at you know my third round of the, the season and be pulling out a top 10 result and a solid one at that we all you know if we could have got Garth we probably would have been in the top five so you know like I said three rounds in and you know a few months ago I wasn't looking like I was driving at all so you know it's big thanks to Marcus obviously for trusting me with his car and you know it's uh yeah I'm just happy to be where I am at the moment and, and I feel pretty proud that I can try and help tune the car up as well and get it consistently week in, week out at the front. At what point does it become your car? Oh, it's always Marcus's car. I mean, he was the one that stepped aside and let me drive it, so I'm effectively renting it. <laughs> what about now, between now and Hidden Valley, what do you do to try and build on today? Oh, I've just got a shifter car in, in Brisbane now, so that's just arrived, so I'll spend the next week building that and then testing that. But no, we'll be debriefing first thing, uh, I think, Wednesday, 
Um, and then the guys have got some new bits I think we're going to work on and you know we'll just work really hard this is just good momentum for everyone now with your test day out the way how do you are you, you you know there's a tyre bank that is ordinary by most people's standards you're going to have to do everything on a Friday and there's still a lot to do yeah oh, the test day for us was used really well so we de- certainly didn't waste it um and you know I don't regret using it so I'm happy with the position we're in we've learned a lot this weekend and we're going to go to per, uh, to Darwin rather as a stronger team and uh, you know everyone's going to have a smile on their face for the next four or five weeks and then hopefully we can continue that at, at Darwin It's been a very interesting year and an interesting roller coaster ride for yourself Yeah it has it was one of them things like when I, got, I still remember when I got the phone call from Ryan Story and said I got to come in for that meeting and thought I was in trouble but you know, I got handed the drive, and you know, I was uh, as a co-driver anyway. It's my role to help the team wherever I can. Yeah, you know, I was called upon to be the lead driver temporarily, and you know, I'm, I'm taking that opportunity with both hands, and hopefully, there's plenty more to come. Having a driver like Marcus Ambrose with his experience as a mentor, have you ever had a driver mentor before like this? No, I mean, every uh, when you're young, you have driver coaches, but Marcus has been there and done that and everything. So he's he's uh, a, a huge asset for me to have, and. Uh, you know, he's, he's a level-headed guy as well, so keeps me calm and fires me up when I need to be fired up. So, you know, he's good for the team as well. He's fantastic with the car, actually. He's sort of like having a third engineer, and you know, I think as a unit, we're, we're tuning the car up really well. well. Scott, all the best and have a great break. Fantastic, thank you, mate. After the break, Jeff Slater will talk about his trip to Monza with the Gears. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian Times since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Jeff Slater is the engineer for Shane Van Gisbergen and the number 97 Daryl Lee Chocolates Commodore. He took some time in the last break we had in the V8 Supercar season to go with Shane Van Gisbergen to the legendary Italian track at Monza to see how the gears settled into the McLaren team in the Blank Pain series. I asked him, was the trip everything he had hoped for? Uh, well, it's fantastic. It's totally different to what we run. Um, obviously, Supercars is a very, very tailored sport. We've been doing it for a number of years now. We have a lot of refinements which they don't have, so it was fascinating seeing what a McLaren factory team actually presents on the car and uh, all the changes and, and presentation and, and everything that they go through. Um, so it's a totally different league to what we've got as far as money and, and everything that goes with it. But uh, racing's racing. Everything seems equatable. So what we do here, you can use over there. Just, uh, yeah, it was, it was different. I, I think a lot of people have um, experienced when they've gone overseas the fact that they look at all the bells and whistles that they hear about over there and go, hang on a sec, what we're doing here is the equal or even better 
than what is happening over in some of these series that are only seen on TV or, or read about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for us, we can change a, a rear damper or a front damper in five minutes, so it's something you can do in a session. For the McLaren factory team, they had to do it outside of the session because it was just a long, lengthy process. So there's some elements that we do really well, obviously with the time factors and, and the cost factors that we have on forced them to ourselves. We do a pretty good job with what we've got. Mm. What's it like seeing the Monza track? And I'm sure you had you had had these fantasies about what it would be like. What about when you get there and just look at it? Uh, it's even more fantastic than what you imagine. Uh, even even all the old track that they don't use anymore, the bank section is is really cool to actually check out. But um, the track, it's Monza. What can you say? Full of Italian fans. It's, it's great. And. 60 cars, that's also an interesting challenge and you would have been seeing how the engineers had to think through traffic and and working strategy so that they can get themselves into what you want, clean air to run in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have a timing screen that has 25 cars on it, 60 cars, it was three different screens, so you had to scroll through a screen to find out where you were between a pit stop or just in running. Um, so it's a lot different to what we're used to, and, and to be honest, it's it's good to have that variety. So many cars. It seems like there were 500 Ferraris out there, but uh, no, it was good. And what about for yourself? Uh, would you like to do more of, uh, well, more trips away to have a look at it again? And I guess you're the type of person that would look at that and go, I can see where this might make a, a tenth or a fraction to bring back here. Yeah, and vice versa. I mean, we we can tell them little things that we would do here that would influence what they could do there and same as you pick up a little bit piece little bits and pieces everywhere and you bring that back here and whether it's useful or not we'll soon find out but uh every every little bit of information helps Mm. well have a great break over the next five weeks until we hit to or hidden valley thank you my thanks to dr jeff slater there after the break we speak to dave stewart the technical director of v8 supercars and find out how the development on the Gen 2 is going. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bought Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Inside Supercars. Supercars. Dave Stewart is the technical director of V8 Supercars and he's got a pretty big job in front of him getting the Gen 2 specifications ready. And it's a real catch-22, as we found out in this interview. Well, Dave Stewart, the Gen 2 is uh, obviously not that far away in engineering terms, and you're the man that has to put the rule book together or the technical specifications together to get the teams to start building it. How's that process going? Yeah, it's, it's going well. Um, the technical department's been working through uh, quite, a, quite a few things with, with regard to the change for Gen 2. So obviously we've, we've talked about a change in engine configuration and, and also possible body configuration. So we've been doing all the background work on uh, how both of those things uh, will work and fit 
So from an engine perspective, fit into our current chassis and what we can do there, we've been looking at various engine models and the like on that part. Um, we've been doing our homework on performance figures and how we'll control that. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a body perspective, we've also been looking at um, model suitability um, and, and the way that'll work with our current chassis. When you're talking about looking at that, is this a, a 3D CAD going through a wind generation tunnel um, program to try and work out what can be done evenly and what would be too much to uh, try and parity? Well, to an extent. Uh, so basically what, we, what we've looked at are, are models that firstly would be suitable mm-hmm. um, and then uh, grading them as to you know, very suitable to, yes, m- maybe we can do it. Once, once we've, uh, and then we've been um, working uh, in CAD to, to body placement and the like. Once we actually know um, what the interest is, uh, and and who wants to come into the category, mm-hmm. we can then um, work on that, get the get the placements finite, and we can start the process of the consultation process with that homologation team and and their backing manufacturer, uh, and then we look at how we can prioritise that prior to getting to the point where we have to do it. How big a change from these cars do you envisage Gen Two being? Is there fundamental things in these cars that you're going to be able to change for a cost or for a engineering longevity uh, decision more so than say introduction of new manufacturers i think that as a as a category we need to look at how we can keep the racing interesting interesting and uh, i think gen 2 the introduction of gen 2 provides us with the opportunity to do that so f- fundamental changes i think we would as a as a category uh, we would look at um, with, with, with the interest of making the racing um, interesting and, and um, keeping the interest there for the, for the fans uh, and the like. So we've consider- we have a, a list of considerations, but the first thing is to make sure that we can um, adapt a body, adapt an engine uh, of, of varying configuration, uh, and then uh, see what the outcome of that is, and then look at how there might be one or two small things that we can introduce along with that, that will um, help uh, keep the interest in the racing and spice it up. Is there a a chicken and egg fundamental problem that you're dealing with? You need to know what manufacturers might do before you can really uh, narrow down a technical regulation, or is it a case of you have to narrow down a technical regulation before the manufacturers are willing to engage? Well, yeah, there's there's probably a little bit from column A and a little bit from column B there. Um, The manufacturers want to know what the regulations are, which is, which is fine, and, and, and that's what we're working on. Um, but it, in, in trying to um, make sure that we, we can accommodate that, we, know, we, need, we would like to know what manufacturers are coming in. So, it would, look, if you had a crystal ball and you knew that you know, car manufacturer XYZ was super keen and they're coming in, then, yeah, it would make my, our job easier. Uh, but in saying that, we, we need to have a guideline so that we can go to a manufacturer and say, you're interested in racing in supercars in 2017, this is how you go about it. And, and that's, that's our, our primary focus and that's what we're working on. It was slated that the Gen 2 regulations would be here in June. Is that something that still, is there a 1 June achievable or is it a 30 June achievable that this oh, document's going to be ready? Yeah, look, we, 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 we talked about mid-year. So, you know, it just so happens that June is mid-year. It, uh, you know, so we're still aiming for mid-year uh, and, and we feel that that's achievable. We'll have a, um, we'll, 
we'll we'll do several um, draft reviews internally within supercars and and and, and uh, get the opinion of a few key stakeholders before we're um, before we've got a, a document that's going to go public. You're intimately aware of how long it does take to build a car. You were at Erebus when the uh, AMG um, Mercedes-based car supercar was rolled out. Are you mindful of the fact that if we've got a 2017 launch date, we have enough time from a, a late June uh, technical specification release? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know, given given a, a, a mid-year technical specification release, uh, the process starts with with the negotiation with um, manufacturers to teams, and then supercars with the teams. I, I feel confident that. Given that we're, the, the difference being when uh, Car of the Future came around, we had to build a chassis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, 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 the plan is not to build a, a chassis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it will be about the fitment of bodywork to our existing chassis and the packaging of an engine. Now, we're a long way down the road ourselves in being able to provide all the detail on the packaging of, of various engines. Um, there's still some technical detail to work out because we still need to be able to keep our current cars... Uh, as competitive as they are with anything new that's coming in. So, so Gen 2 will not be like Gen 1 where this car's gone and everyone on the grid has to be with a new Gen car. Gen 2 will be a, a, an incremental changeover? It, it, yeah, exactly. It'll be a, a, you know, there'll be a small iteration um, in it. So you know, the, the thing that we've got to be exceptionally mindful of is, is the cost of introduction to the category. Mm-hmm and uh, the cost of redundancy of what we currently have because um, you know, we, we need to make sure that we can look after the teams financially uh, and that's, that's you know, one of the critical factors in, in Gen 2. Now obviously Gen 1 cars then move to the Dunlop series. It's been announced that they can start competing there from next year. What are you looking at in an engineering and technical uh, sense to ensure that uh, everyone in that Dunlop series grid has got parity, whether it be new car and old? Yeah, that's a process that we're currently going through as well. So we've got we've got a bit on with uh, with ensuring that um, you know uh, car of the future or next gen can race with Project Blueprint cars. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a few things in there that we're looking at uh, and, and working with, and, and we also need to work with the um, with the uh, Dunlop uh, Supercar Series teams on on that as well. So. Um, can't go into too much detail on that at the moment but it is a, again it'll be a consultative process with with those teams as well obviously they are all screaming out wanting to know as soon as possible as well yeah look everybody wants information and uh you know it, it doesn't it doesn't matter what it is or, or what organization you know we, we we've said that we'll have the the regulations for mid-year but you know everybody wanted them in april sort of thing you know but look we're we're working with them. We're trying to. Uh, we will be giving them as much information as we can, uh, and uh, you know, making sure that they're involved in the process as well. Mm. Well, interesting time ahead, and we haven't even started on tyres yet. So, uh, all the best. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> My thanks to Dave Stewart. After the break, Cameron Waters. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page, and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. 
you know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Cameron Waters is a man on a charge, undefeated in the last six races in the Dunlop Series. I caught up with him on Sunday afternoon, and we spoke about his weekend at Winton. Cam Waters, you spoke to me in Eclipsal, saying this year's all about not making mistakes. It certainly looks like you're not making too many at the moment, having clean swept the last two rounds. Yeah, the last two rounds have been really good. Haven't made any mistakes. Trying to get the most out of myself and the car, which has been really good. And one area that I think I struggled is my starts, which I'm starting to get on top of now. So managed to beat Andrew to the first turn in every race this weekend. So um, yeah, always trying to improve. You've been announced as Chas Mostert's co-driver, the defending Bathurst champion. No pressure there. No, I'll just um, I'll just get in my car and do my thing, do my stints, and give it back to him in one piece. So um, yeah, it's a little bit of pressure being the Bathurst champs but I'll just do what I can do and hopefully that'll be good enough. Now you had a run at Winton in the car how big a difference is it between what you're driving in the Dunlop series the old car up against the new generation car? Uh, it's a lot closer this year I think the arrow on the new cars probably back to where it should be so it's probably a little bit closer to my car now so um, I managed to get in it and I was relatively competitive straight away so that's always promising but um yeah, looking forward to get back in the car and, and kind of familiar, familiarise myself in that car as well. Obviously Darwin in between now and Townsville, an opportunity for you to go and run again on the Friday. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to do that yet. I'll have to speak to the team, but yeah, I'd love to go up there and go up in the warm weather and get away from Melbourne shitty weather. But um, yeah, hopefully I can go up there and do a few more laps in his car. There's been a lot of talk about tyres. You're going out on that car and you're not going out there on the best tyres. Is that a problem knowing that there's going to be a big uh, grip level change and a big handling change when you do get on the new tyres eventually when you get to Sandown? Yeah, it's, um, it's always an issue. Obviously tyres are tight and that's a talking point of our supercars at the moment. So um, you can only go out there and drive the car with what you got. I think once they put the tyres on you'll soon work out what the issue was and, and move forward and drive the car accordingly. So it is an issue but it's the same for everyone when you do your debrief and you've got your checklist of things you were trying to achieve at each round is this is this looking like every box is now getting a tick instead of having a cross against it yeah yeah of course we're um we're making headway and we're moving the car forward and my driving forward as well so um it's good to make the car better but it's also good to make my driving better and make myself better so um yeah as i said before to one thing that I was lacking was my starts, and I'm slowly getting on top of that. So, yeah, it's really good. It's promising. Mm, almost at the halfway point of the Dunlop Series for 2015. How close is a main series drive for Cam Waters? Oh, I'd like to think it's pretty close, but you never really know until you've got a contract in front of you signing it. So um, I can only keep doing what I'm doing in the Dunlop Series and win races, and hopefully I can win the championship, and then hopefully something will present itself at the end of the year. It's tough because there's four drivers, four cars in the um, in Pro Drive Racing Australia that you're aligned with. It sort of means one driver has to disappear or an opportunity where they can lease you out becomes available elsewhere up the grid. Yeah, of course. It's um, it's not really my decision. I just I just want to be in a car driving, so... I'll let the bosses do those those decisions and hopefully I'm in a car and 
see what happens from there. Well, it's a great run. Enjoy it and all the best heading to Townsville. Thank you. Should be good. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. I hope you enjoyed this special edition. Interview shows continue next week. I hope you'll come back for more then. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.